You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 480 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, March 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, uh, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, make sure you're also checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as all 32 NFL teams. If you are into free agency or trade season or whatever is going on in the NFL right now, make sure you're finding the corresponding Locked On shows to talk about all the biggest stories around the league. Locked On Raiders to talk about Antonio Brown. Locked On Jets to talk about Le'Veon Bell. All the other stuff that has uh, big implications. Make sure you're checking all of those podcasts out. If you find a show on the network that you want to subscribe to, please subscribe, rate, and review. It is the best way to support the show. It is easy. It's the it just helps us so so much on any of the podcast platforms, which include iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and now Himalaya as well. Himalaya is a fantastic new podcast platform. You can make personalized playlists and everything. And we have a partnership going on with them. So make sure you are checking out the podcast on every single podcast platform that you want to check it out on and i uh, appreciate you taking the time uh all right on today's show we're going to talk about the raptors 123 114 win over the oklahoma city thunder in okc last night and joining me to do so is our pal who filled in admirably last week while i was on vacation looking at mountains it is vec jacob what's going on buddy nothing much man just uh Getting going with this day. Um, it's been a <laughs> bit of a slow start, thanks to the late night game. But uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, the 9:30 start. Uh, I didn't expect that to be the time the game was starting at. I just assumed it'd be eight o'clock because it's OKC. And then I was like, oh wait, they're on ESPN. And oh wait, the, they're probably going to start later because of that. And 9:30 was after having thought the entire West Coast swing was out of the way. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't thrilled to have to watch the game at 9.30. But, hey, it, 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 you know, this, they, they doubled down by going to overtime and making it even later because they, they don't care about us olds. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad. I mean, that's the thing, right? I sort yeah. of mentally checked out. Yeah. Sort of mid-third, and I was like, oh, they're playing great. Yeah. This is going to be nice and easy. We'll see some garbage time. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, making us care late was uh, not very nice on the Raptors' part. We should talk about that and every other facet of this game. Uh, Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 51st win of the season? Uh, Biggest takeaway for me is, uh, I I would say, the first half ball movement. I mean, not just the first half ball movement, just the the three-point shooting. Um, We've seen that sort of come around Mm -hmm. um, since the trade. And yeah, the way Danny Green was making shots, and you know, it, it was just drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, and it, it, and everyone seems to um, like remember that Spolster quote where uh, when he was asked about Marcus All, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, he gives the Raptors another guy who isn't sick at sea with the with the shot clock winding down, mm-hmm. and I felt that we saw a ton of that, not just from Gasol, which is what I was encouraged by, um, and. You know, the Thunder defense, I thought, uh, initially, they'd maybe take away from what the Raptors were doing, but the Raptors would just keep, you know, penetrating the defense, kicking the ball out, and that's how they got their open look. So I thought that was really encouraging. Um, Didn't really make 
the three from the middle of the third till pretty much the end of the fourth mm-hmm. uh, and went away from that ball movement. Uh, but it was encouraging that they again went back to it in overtime. So um, that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, the ball movement was, to me as well, the just the, the thing that, that popped out to me. Marcus Gasol, man, he didn't have like an enormous stat line. He had 10 points. He was only 4-7, 6 boards, 2 assists, uh, just 1 block. He wasn't like, you know, doing eye-dropping stuff, but eye-dropping stuff, eye-popping stuff, and jaw-dropping stuff. I just, I, I'm jaw-popping stuff. <laughs> God damn it, it is early. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like he wasn't doing crazy anything that was like totally overwhelming, but... It just right. seemed like he was just, just this hub of electricity in the offense, right? Like, it came to him, and everyone just kind of knew, all right, let's go cut this way. Let's, you know, set a pin down for this guy over here. Let's, let's just go and do this thing. And it was just so crisp. And you can see that when, when like, he's on the court, people know, like, oh, this dude can get me open. I'm going to find the best possible way to get myself open. And we kind of saw that go away late in the game. And it's kind of perplexing. I don't really understand why this happens. I'd like to see like just like the study of why offenses go away from things that work. It, it's so bizarre. It, it kind of reminds me of like playing a video game where you just kind of get like lulled in, and then you just do the same thing over and over again, and, and get killed or lose or, or or like you know keep keep getting scored on by the other team. And it's just like uh-huh. you kind of forget what you were doing that was good and I, it's got to be hard to kind of get back to that I guess when you start to establish like mini bad habits within a game but it, it just whenever Gasol's out there it just it makes me feel more confident that we're about to see some cool stuff and I, I was just really impressed by the way the team sort of had just like pop and verve and it wasn't just when the starters were out there last night the starters were great like don't get me wrong they were fantastic but I thought OG Ananobi was pretty good just kind of doing the same thing like, and sort of roving around what Gasol was setting up, and even Jeremy Lin didn't have an amazing game. He had a couple wide-open looks that I thought probably, you know, he deserved to have go down. Um, he did a couple other nice things here and there, had a couple nice drives and whatnot, but like, I, I thought, you know, the bench wasn't amazing. Like, Norm Powell kind of had a rough game. He had no points. He had three assists, um, but, like, I, I just kind of liked the the pop everyone seemed to have, and, and Gasol's a big part of that. And I thought Nick Nurse, after a long time of people really questioning, like, oh, what's his rotation going to be like? How's he going to do it? First of all, it's probably a bit unfair because he hasn't had a full complement of players at any point this year. But I do think, like, he kind of, I think, figured it out a little bit last night. He was pretty much staggering Leonard and Siakam, you know, pretty much across the entire game, right? And having one of those guys in the court at all times. And Gasol and Green was is another pairing that's been so, so good together. They were out there quite a bit together. Um, Gasol and Fred, like, I think, you know, Nurse is starting to figure out exactly which combinations of players it's, you know, it's worth having out there at different parts of the game. What did you think of the way he managed his rotation last night? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the way he's starting to put everything together. And I think, um, you know, I think the thing I find interesting is his perspective of how how late can you go, right? I, I mm-hmm. think... Because when we watch the NBA in general, we've sort of built up our own sort of history and what we're used to seeing. And so over the course of 82 games, where everything we've seen has been so structured with like, oh, this is your starting five and you write it for 82 games and, you know, th- things of that nature. And so with Nurse, you know, with, with, with changing the starting center and, you know, the mixing of the rotations that we've seen, uh, we, I've wondered... When is that point going to 
become where he says, okay, you know, is it with 30 games left? Is it with 20 games left? And now we're finally seeing it. So um, I guess, you know, he, he always saw it as, you know, this final for 15 game stretch or whatever it may be. Um, and he seems to know exactly what he wants to go to. Um, again, it was positive to see him consistently have it, it, there was maybe one mini stretch uh where he had who was on the court i think lynn may have been the only uh, main ball handler on the court mm-hmm. and i was thinking you know you you, you probably want to get uh someone in there as, uh, as soon as possible and i think w- within a minute he had fred banfley check back into the game um and so i think I think I think everything. Uh, I think his decision making in terms of what he understands uh, does work and doesn't work. I think he's had enough time to experiment. So um, I'm pretty happy with the way things are panning out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that's missing is maybe some help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kyle Lowry, please come back, sir. Um, yeah, the, what did you think of the little part? It didn't really end up translating to the rest of the rotation in the game, I don't think. But there was a part in the first quarter, maybe two or three minutes, where. Uh, Nurse took out Fred, but did not put Lynn in the game, and he had Norm essentially being the point guard. I, I mean, it was really Pascal who was playing point guard. He was kind of bringing the ball up every time. Did that strike you at all? Do you think that tells us anything about how Nurse views Lynn at this point and his spot in the rotation? Um. Yeah. I. I, I mean, I, I did notice that. Uh, I think. I think. His comfort level with Lynn is, probably isn't as high as he would like it to be at the moment. Um, and then I also think that maybe he feels that right off the bat, it's easier to get Lynn going if he's playing off the ball to mm-hmm. start um, and then finds his rhythm that way. And now, I mean, you can still have Pascal in there and, and do that. But um, yeah, I, I did find that interesting. But I, I, I think... As we go down the stretch here, in terms of getting the best out of Lynn, I think we will see him primarily, at least to start, uh, playing off the ball. Mm-hmm. And then once he settles into a groove, maybe you can trust him a bit more on the ball. But yeah, we've, we've seen some concerns with him on the ball, whether whether it's running the pick and roll, whether it's you know drive, driving the lane and just uh, not being as... What's the, the word? Um, not being um, as controlled mm-hmm. uh, as you'd like to see. So, um, I, I, yeah, and at this point, like I said, where nurse is looking to sell things down and maybe give people a bit of a kick in the ass uh, to say, hey, this is what it is. If if you wanna, if you wanna be on the court, you gotta play better. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with the way it is right now um and lynn i think i think he has had a decent run to sort of snap out of things and maybe now he's slowly starting to but maybe part of that is because he's getting more opportunity off the ball Mm -hmm. yeah i I like i kind of like lynn is like maybe a bit of a norm light in that he's so good at getting to the rim he's so good at picking up free throw attempts and stuff like that like I kind of like him off the ball as a guy who, you know, it swings to him. And he's not the same three-point shooter that Norm is when Norm is Norm. But he does have that same off-the-bounce energy, right, where he can kind of, you know, take it on the weak side and then just, you know, take it to the hoop. And he had a couple nice drives last night. The one finish he had was, like, beautiful, where he kind of protected the ball against, I think it was Nerland's Noel, by, you know, bringing it to the other side of the rim and just kind of rolling it off, like a lot of English on it. That was really pretty. 
Um, so I, there's still signs that Lynn is not completely out to lunch here. And, you know, when, when Kyle's back, there will be a tough decision there, I think, because I don't think we're going to see a 10-man rotation in the playoffs. I would be surprised if we even saw a 9 on a lot of nights because the, like, the, the best guys on this team are so good and there's enough in the way of being able to stagger the minutes around that I think they can spread it out and not have to go too, too deep into the bench if they don't want to. Um, right. So hopefully Lynn can kind of keep it going here and then, you know, it'll make Nurse have to make a tough decision down the road. Um, what did you think of what happened late in this game? The Raps, you know, they played incredibly well for three quarters. It was beautiful. It was uh, just like one of the best stretches of basketball this team's played all season. And to do it without Kyle Lowry was kind of remarkable to me. You have Pascal Siakam just like marauding all over the court and, you know, with his like crazy six foot off glass finishes, you know, left, right and center. And then the fourth quarter comes around and kind of a familiar story where the late game offense is not particularly robust and creative. I don't know. Was that just a matter of like the Thunder playing very good defense to you? Was it the Raps just kind of getting away from things? Was it, you know, the rotation, you know, having Gasol maybe wait too long on the bench to come back in? What, what, what do you think happened there? And does it concern you at all? I think I'm uh, in agreement with what you said before about maybe just getting a little uh, comfortable with the lead, mm-hmm. and I think because I thought we saw a little a bit more of that hero ball from uh, Kawhi. I thought um, even Siakam looked to get his a, a little bit. So, um, and then you know we talked about the three point shooting sort of falling off, but a lot of that was also just sort of contested four shots without the ball movement that we were seeing that we were seeing for the three quarters prior right mm-hmm. um like i think and i think i think in the fourth alone they were one for 11 from three yeah um so um then again it, it was it wasn't like the majority of them were just clean looks um so i thought again with the lack of ball movement um and also credit to the thunder offense for getting going because the more more times you put the ball in the basket, the the more opportunities you get to defend in the half court. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, uh, again, I think it was more of a mental lapse. Um, and that's something that were there where maybe um, you could say, hey, Nick Nurse, you need a timeout. Just get them um, back in the flow. Do whatever you have to do. Just get that ball movement back. Maybe, like you said, mention bring us all back earlier. Um, but again, it turns out he needed that timeout right at the end. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it can go both ways. Um, I think. I think again, you know, um, that is maybe a little bit of leadership too on Kawhi, where um, once he starts doing that kind of stuff, then the other guys also can get into that mental lull and say, "Oh, okay, you know." He thinks it's in the in the bag. Maybe we can all be a little comfortable mm-hmm. and look for our own a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's plenty of blame to go around there. Um, I'm not overly concerned by one quarter. Obviously, the general trend on the season has been that the Raptors uh, have built up big leads and allowed uh, teams to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully that's just Nick Nurse's galaxy brain, just trying to get them as many <laughs> clutch scenarios. <laughs> the brain genius, baby. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now they're just 
extremely comfortable with these clutch moments mm-hmm. having to come through, whether it be in overtime or the last couple of minutes of the fourth. Um, but yeah, uh, more than anything, that's the the grand scheme of teams being able to come back is the bigger concern mm-hmm. uh, um, to me, rather than how how it happened. Yeah, and unlike if you're looking at the lion's share of possessions in the game, I mean, it's a very small handful in which they kind of deviated from what was working. And yeah, the Thunder played good defense. I thought Paul George on Kawhi was uh, really, really damn good. And like, you got to kind of tip your hat to them, I suppose, too. Um, I The overtime was impressive. I, it kind of felt preordained once uh, Paul George fouled out. I just didn't really feel like the Thunder had the horses, and the Raps were very content to just let dudes bomb threes. Um, you right. know, go ahead, Markeith Morris and Terrence Ferguson and Jeremy Grant. Like, put up as many threes as you'd like. Dennis Schroeder, too. That, that's, I mean, the Thunder have their own shooting issues. The Raptors, like, we've been talking about the Raptors being, like, a, a rough shooting team all season long. But it's like, yeah, they're not the Thunder, man. <laughs> they're they're going to be just fine. Um, I think they're already back into the top 10 at three-point shooting uh, percentage after a nice run lately, and things have kind of stabilized a little bit. So um, the Thunder are the team that has to worry about their three-point shooting, I think, right now. I uh, I like the way the Raptors play defense in the fourth quarter, and I think that's kind of a quiet thing, is the Raptors' defense has actually been better than their offense by you know, the ranking in total net rating or in, in per, one, per 100 possessions terms since the trade deadline. They've been a 105.8 which is third in the NBA since the deadline, and they are currently in, what is it, 11th in offense since then. The offense looks a lot better in a lot of cases. The 65.3 assist percentage, which is fourth. Uh, This is all since the All-Star break once again. So, like, there are encouraging signs with the offense, and as everyone gets healthy, I would assume that that number will tick up a little bit. But the, the defense has been really impressive, and I thought, you know, there have been some soft spots here and there throughout the entire season, right? Like, it's never kind of coalesced into this sort of, like, oppressive, smothering defense I thought it would be. But maybe, again, that's just kind of a thing where they're ramping it up towards the playoffs, and we've seen so many stretches, like that overtime last night, like, uh, you know, a lot of quarters come to mind, right? Like the quarter against, like, the Celtics early on in the season or against the Sixers a couple times, uh, where it's just like, yeah, no, we're just going to smother you for an entire quarter, and you're not going to score shit, and we're going to win the game. And, like, that, that has been the ceiling we've seen, and I'm getting more and more confident that that ceiling is going to be something they can tap into a little bit more often, especially with, like, Siakam, I think, coming around on defense a little bit and kind of finding that balance between his defense and offense. And uh, everyone just kind of... I mean, Marcus Saul, watching that dude defending the post is, like, the most fun thing in the world. I love it so much. I can envision anytime like, Steven Adams or Nerlens Noel was was posting up last night, I can just envision that being Joel Embiid and thinking, oh, my God, Marcus Saul, you beautiful man. <laughs> like, how are you doing this? Um, it's it's really fun to watch him there. I was surprised that Steven Adams didn't punk the raps last night because typically the Westbrook Adams pick and roll is uh, like deadly towards the Raptors. And usually when Westbrook's shooting well, which tends to happen pretty much every time he plays the Raptors, and I think, man, there was some like serious Westbrook is a good shooter myth making going on on the on the broadcast last night. It's like, oh my God, Westbrook's such a great shooter. It's like, eh, not really, but he was really good last night. Um, and usually when yeah. he's hitting those threes and mid-rangers, like usually that opens up Steven Adams to unleash hell. And I don't know if it's because Gasol's up there or Ibaka did a good job or Westbrook just wasn't looking for Adams the same way he normally would. But the Raptors did a good job of not getting punked by Steven Adams, which is uh, a step up from what they've done in the past too. So 
Lots of good stuff from this game. We're going to take a quick break and come back, and we'll talk about uh, some other stuff, Pascal Siakam, and uh, I'm sure we'll find a couple of things to talk about here and there. But first, I want to tell everyone about our sponsor today, and that is DraftKings. Did you know you can fill out a tourney bracket at DraftKings this year? That's right, DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. It has a totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everyone fills out a bracket during the tourney. You might as well do it on an award-winning app with tons of free prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes. Whether you think Duke or Kentucky or Murray State or Iowa State with those Canadians is going to make it to the Final Four, you know how brackets work before tip-off of the first game of the tournament. Just pick the winner of every game, every round. That's all there is to it. And the best part is you can play for free with the code DRIBBLE. You can even set up a private group for you and your friends and compete for bragging rights. Download the DraftKings app or head to DraftKings.com. Now use code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle promotion for free and compete your to sh- keep blah. And compete for your share of $64,000. That's code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle for free only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. Uh, last night might have been sort of the peak of the most improved player debate, which personally I don't care about. Um, it'd be nice if Pascal Siakam won it. I think he has a very good case. But considering D'Angelo Russell at 44 points the night before, Siakam goes for 33, 13, and 6 last night, and kind of it was the best player on the floor in a game that featured Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, the, the most improved conversation kind of ticked back up. Uh, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it on the podcast because, I again, I'm not really one to care about the Most Improved Player Award, but it seems like something people really care about, so we should probably address it. Where are you leaning if you're a voter right now, Vivek, in terms of the, the Most Improved? Is it Russell? Is it Siakam? Is it somebody else? Um, I do think it's Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. just because, uh, you know, the, I, I think the one caveat with D'Angelo Russell that is valid is the fact that this was a guy that was, uh, you know, one of the top. He was a second overall pick in 2015, and he's had multiple years of being a starting guard where people have been waiting for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with Pascal Siakam, no one has envisioned him becoming this type of player. Um, and I think Anthony Doyle tweeted this, um, and he was pretty much on the money. You had. Russell Westbrook, a guy who's won MVP. Paul George is in the MVP discussion uh, this year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard um, was in the top three for MVP voting in 2016-17. And there were long stretches where Pascal Siakam looked like the best player on the court. He was given the ball to to try to win the game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, again, like, no one envisioned this level of improvement um, and the fact that he is improving month after month uh, and taking his game to newer and newer levels, um, I, th- I, th- I think it has to be him. Um, and, you know, I, I even look at guys like Montrez Harrell. Um, they've also been big reasons why their team has been able to find a new level. I think that's part of why the Clippers probably felt comfortable trading Tobias Harris as well. Um but I do think it's Pascal Siakam. Again, now, if voters just are specifically looking at from one season to the next and taking away all those other sort of 
uh, narrative aspects of it, um, then maybe I can see how uh, D'Angelo Russell is there. But to me, you know, when a, when a guy is expected to be a top player, um, you shouldn't really surpri- be too surprised that he's averaging, tw- you know, 21 points and 7 assists. Yeah, and like, it's not like he was doing nothing last year. He was yeah. starting, he started 35 of the 48 games he played. He uh, actually shot, uh, he shot, he's shooting better this year, so that's fair. But like, even this season, his efficiency hasn't been incredible. This I don't want to slag D'Angelo Russell too much because I think these conversations become, uh, oh, this guy's not good compared to this good guy. Like, no, they're both very good. But right. like, Russell's a 53.1 true shooter this season. I believe that's like 10 full percentage points behind where Pascal Siakam is right now. And like Siakam's defense, I think, is unquestionably better than what uh, than what D'Angelo Russell offers as well. So I, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think Siakam deserves it. I think the fact that he's on this good of a team, and it's a team that you know Kawhi has missed a ton of games, Kyle's missed a ton of games, Siakam's played all but one game, and he's been kind of the steadying presence, and has shown even in games where he does have to be the one or two option that he's capable of scaling up his usage, scaling up his volume and still being efficient and really, really damn good, like, that to me is, like, the, the full-scale, wide-scale improvement in his game is just so, so impressive to me. And the three-point shooting as well, going from being one of the worst three-point shooters in the NBA, high-volume-wise, to a 35% three-point shooter who's one of the best in the league from the corners, like, that is such a, not just a big improvement, but an important improvement that... I think that's why I would give the edge to Siakam over Russell. But again, I don't want to disparage Russell too much. He's been very good. Fuck Brooklyn, but like he's he's been very good, and he deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, I know De'Aaron Fox is probably in there too. I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. I think the second year jump is maybe something I don't like to reward with the first, with most improved. And then right. after that, it's probably like superstars, right? Like Giannis probably should be in this conversation, and Paul George should be in this conversation because. They've taken their games from uh, insanely high levels to more insanely high levels, which is maybe the hardest thing to do. So I uh, I think it should be Siakam. I don't really want this to be like a thing that Raptors fans get like Raptors fanny over. Like if he loses it, fine. Um, like the Raptors are going to beat the piss out of the Nets in the playoffs and that'll be what matters. So I, uh, right. but yeah, I agree. Pascal Siakam should be in the running there and uh Shouts to him for getting late game calls now. Like, hey, go and uh, go score the bucket. Yes, he picked up a charge. Whether or not the charge was right, I don't know. It was a borderline call. But uh, the fact that Nick Nurse is confident enough in him to say, yeah, go win us the game, that is so good for him and also very good for the Raptors because it varies their attack. And if they're going to be, you know, more predictable late in games because they want to, you know, have ball security and not turn it over. Having a multi, uh, you know, multitude of guys who can go get a bucket for you is not a bad thing by any means. And if teams are expecting Leonard to be getting the ball late in a game and they decide to go pull an audible and give it to Siakam, like you can feel pretty confident that Siakam's going to drive on a dude and score from six feet off the glass. Like it's pretty much automatic at this point. So it's uh, it's all very very good. And when it comes to Pascal Siakam, uh, do you have anything else from this game that you'd like to touch on, Vivek, or should we wrap this thing up? Um, just one thing I will quickly touch on is the other conversation that I kind of saw on my Twitter timeline mm-hmm. is, you know, um, uh, are we sure that uh, Kawhi is a better player than Paul George? And again, if people want to say that Paul George has been the better player this season, 
then I can see that he's played more games. He's been in the MVP conversation. Uh, um, he's balled out. But again, I think with the best play, that that best player conversation, I think there has to be a body of work. I think we have to see Paul George do this for more than a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I do think it's a little unfair to do this, you know, with Kawhi fresh off the injury. Um, maybe let's see it again, you know, where he's completely uh, like a season completely removed from it. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Paul George. Uh, wasn't looking to be compared, uh, you know, the season he was coming off his broken foot. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that part of it is, is a bit unfair. Um, so let's see if Paul George can keep up this level going forward. Um, that's I, all I'll say on that. I hope he does because that makes the Western Conference playoffs that much more interesting. Um, Absolutely. Right, yeah, now the, right now the <laughs> Thunder are in eighth and in a position to play the Warriors in the first round. And I don't think they'd win that series, but... I don't think it would be easy for the Warriors, and I think it'd be kind of funny if the Warriors played the team that I think probably has the best chance of beating them in the first round. That'd be kind of fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, the, the, yeah I, I don't really, again, care between the distinction between Leonard and George. I think George has been awesome, and I don't want to disparage what he's done. Leonard has been doing it for longer and has more of a body of work of being like a top-five player. I would say George has probably been better this season, but maybe that's because of necessity and like it's required for him to be this out of the out of this world monster who is both a defensive player of the year and MVP candidate. Like Leonard has been able to take it easy because the team is very good and deep and they've been able to get by without him. So it's hard yep. to compare. I think Andrew Sharp made this point on the Open Floor podcast this week that, you know, I think maybe Kawhi's almost underrated because he's missed so many games. I think he's in the, in the playoffs, man. I think it's going to be like, oh, yeah, there's Kawhi. He's out there just uh, marauding and tearing people's souls apart. I think that's what's yeah. going to happen, and he's going to choke the life out of some teams. Uh, he's passing much better now, too. This has been the kind of trend over the last couple months as well. He had six assists last night. You can kind of see he's even kind of buying in to this drive-and-kick, drive-and-kick offense the Raps have kind of adopted since uh, Gasol got to town, and that is all very, very encouraging. You had four guys in the starting five last night with six assists. That is a very, very good sign. And uh, that game in general was pretty good, it, despite the fourth quarter. It was uh, a lot of fun, and we'll get to do it again Friday night. Raptors Thunder it should be a ton of fun to watch that one. I think I'll be there, so uh, you can look for maybe a podcast after that game. And uh, yeah, I think we can wrap it there. Vivek, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, you can find my work uh, on Raptors Public. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jacob, and that's about it. Right on. You can uh, find my most recent idiot project at Raptors HQ, myself and Jay Rosales of uh, HQ as well. We have gone about making a bracket of all of the pieces of evidence that Kawhi Leonard is staying in Toronto. And uh, we're talking our way through it. We've got the first part of the round of 32 done on Raptors HQ right now. Part two is going to come out Friday morning, so please check that out. Jay and I are going to do a podcast as well. It's probably going to drop Friday afternoon sometime, talking about the bracket. So that'll be cool. And then uh, we'll continue that on throughout March Madness. And uh, I don't know how we're going to stretch it for three weeks, but we've committed to it, and it's a lot of fun. So thanks to everyone who provided nice feedback yesterday. There's a lot of good reaction to it, and uh, please continue to check that out. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and the new podcast app Himalaya, which is great for cultivating your own personal playlists 
and uh, it's really, really great. If you want to check it out in your car as well, just tell your car to say, hey, uh, car, play podcast Locked On Raptors, and you don't have to touch a button ever again. There are, there's no shortage of ways for you to check out the Locked On Podcast Network and this podcast itself. Also, Saturday night, I am going to be co-hosting with Marshall Ferguson of TSN 1150, the Canadian Elite Basketball League's draft show uh, on CEBL.tv. The the draft is in the books. All players have been picked, but they're going to be revealing all the picks on Saturday at this big party in Hamilton, and uh, you can watch it at CBL.tv. I'll be on there with Marshall Ferguson breaking the picks all down. Should be a lot of fun, and there's, there'll be some names that are memorable, people names that you'll, that you'll definitely uh, have seen before, and uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. So the Canadian Elite Basketball League, you, if you follow me, I've retweeted some stuff about it, and you probably know what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, Saturday at 7 o'clock, I believe the show begins. Uh, the CEBL.tv, the Canadian Elite, Canadian Elite Basketball League's draft reveal party, I will be co-hosting that. So that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors.